Once you mark number 696, if you will, open your Bibles to Psalm 23. We'll spend most of our time in this session together in Psalm 23. Spend some time in the Old Testament in this hour, and then we'll move to the New Testament in the next lesson together. Lots of Bible this morning, so if you have a Bible open, that'll help you out as we move through our period of study. It's good to be with you today. Always appreciate the opportunity to share the gospel with you. Throughout the Bible, God uses many different illustrations to describe the relationship that he has with his people. And in Psalm 23, we find one of the most well-known of these images. And of course, that is the picture of God as the shepherd. The text says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is perhaps the best known of the texts that deal with God as the shepherd, but this is not the only place you will find this idea in Scripture. In fact, you will find it throughout the Bible in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 40 and in verse 11, the text says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. In John chapter 10, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd, the one who gives his life for the sheep. Now in today's world, we may struggle to fully comprehend this example. Perhaps there are a few in the audience who would understand it more than the rest of us, those of you who have had some experience with sheep, but we don't know very many people who live their lives As shepherds, even people in today's world who farm may not have a lot of experience with sheep. But of course, in the agrarian society, the ancient world, the people would have understood this well. They would have known that there is perhaps no creature as vulnerable as sheep. They would have recognized that sheep are totally dependent upon the presence of their shepherd. Sheep have no natural means of protecting themselves. There are no powerful claws or sharp teeth. There's no means of hiding. They're unable to run fast enough or far enough to avoid their predators. Typically, sheep are fearful and timid in nature. They will stray away. They will become lost without Guidance, the scripture speaks to this, as many of the texts which address us as sheep talk about us 
wandering away. They're susceptible to bugs and to viruses and to all types of pests. I'm not sure if we should feel insulted that the Lord uses sheep to describe us. What it should do for us is show us our need in every situation to rely on the shepherd. There's no one who understood this any better than David. Of course, he knew what it was like to be a shepherd. And as such, he had spent countless hours tending to the needs of his flock. And as good of a shepherd as David was, he understood that no one was a better shepherd than the God of heaven. And so, if we share many characteristics with sheep as we walk through these well-known words of David, let us consider what it means for God to be our shepherd. I want to leave you with three thoughts from this passage. The first thing that I want us to see is that the Lord nurtures us, which brings us Peace. The text begins by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. God loves his sheep, and as any good shepherd would be, he is concerned that their needs are met. Now in the field, a shepherd has little choice but to provide for the sheep. Sheep are not what we would think of as an intelligent animal. And this is particularly evident when they are left to their own devices, when they are left to choose their own sources of food or water without guidance, they will graze over in the unhealthy pastures. They will drink from the nasty, polluted waters. In addition to that, sheep are typically nervous and restless in nature. Peace is not something they come by easily. How many of you identify with that statement? We are restless and nervous and peace is not something we come by easily. And so the image that we have here of this flock of sheep lying down in a green pasture, that is an image which should paint a picture in our minds of total peace and satisfaction and rest as they are there with an abundance of healthy food and nutrients. Now as our shepherd... That is what the God of heaven does for us. In the book of Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 34, you have a chapter devoted to irresponsible shepherds. And within that text, God makes a contrast. He says, this is what you're doing wrong. Of course, he's speaking to the leaders of Israel in this text. This is all that you're doing wrong. And now in contrast to that, 
This is how I shepherd my people. Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 14, God says, I will feed them in good pasture and their folds shall be on the high mountains of Israel. And then in verse 15, he says, I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down. When we realize how nurturing God is, we should find a level of peace. He does not withhold good things from His people. Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 7 speaks to this as He is talking about the importance of prayer, the importance of reaching out to God. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 9, He says, What man is there among you who... If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? And so with that as our assurance, we should live our lives being content with those things we have, knowing that God is faithful and will continue to provide. Elsewhere in the Psalms, the writer says in chapter 37 and verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. And so as sheep, the follower of God knows that his needs are met, not when he pursues those needs as the priority, but when he pursues the shepherd who provides those things. Jesus says in Matthew 6 and verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. There are so many people in our world today who are pursuing food and clothing and shelter and on top of that they are pursuing a life of luxury and excess. And what we need to be doing more than that is pursuing the shepherd who provides the very blessings of life. And so the Lord nurtures us. The idea of nurturing is taking care of our needs. And that should give us peace. Not only that, we see that the Lord guides us which should provide us comfort. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I think it is important to note here that being a shepherd is not a part-time job. In Bible times, you will find that shepherds lived with their flocks. A couple of examples of this in Genesis chapter 31. Do you remember when Jacob was working for Laban? That was a full-time day and night job. Genesis 31 and verse 40, Jacob says, There I was in the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night and my sleep departed from my eyes. That's the lifestyle of a shepherd. In Luke chapter 2, when you find the Savior being born, where are the shepherds? They're out in the fields 
And what time is it? It's the middle of the night. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. The shepherd is continually with the sheep, watching over them day and night. You don't clock out or punch out at 4 o'clock and tell the sheep, well, best of luck to you, I'll see you in the morning. That doesn't work. Because without the shepherd there to guide them, the sheep are going to become scattered. They're going to be lost. The shepherd will get back at 8 or 9 in the morning, and they're all gone. And sometimes, even with the guide there, you've got one or two that wander off. And of course, the parallel is obvious. As God's sheep, we have a tendency to stray. In the parable of the sower, we are warned that some of us become distracted by the cares of this world And Hebrews chapter 12 speaks about those who become entangled in sin. But when we allow the Lord to guide us, we can be assured that His way is perfect, that His way will not cause us to stumble. How is it that the Lord guides us? God guides us through His Word. We have the fully revealed Word through the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus teaches this in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14 and in verse 26, the Lord sharing some final thoughts with His disciples says in John 14 and in verse 26, the Helper, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And then in chapter 16, chapter 16 and verse 13, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. Now, if that was all we had, we may wonder about what that meant. But we can look in the rest of our Bible and we can see an explanation or a fulfillment of those promises. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul has this to say. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, Paul says... For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men but as it is in truth the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. And so the disciples were promised that they would be guided into all truth and that they would speak with the authority of the Lord. How did they do that? They did that through preaching and teaching. And Paul says, we came and we taught you the Word of God. Peter puts it this way in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. 
Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so we have that blessing Because we have the sermons, we have the speeches, we have the teachings, we have the writings compiled in our Bible. And so the question for us is not, where do we go to find God's will? We know the answer to that. The question is, when we are taught or when we read the will of God, what is our response to His guidance. Psalm 25 and verse 5 says, lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Do we really mean that? Or are we like individuals we spoke of in the Bible class or individuals that we read about in the book of Acts. Confronted with the truth, it would be easier to believe the truth, but it wouldn't be as convenient. And so we say, well, we want the truth until the truth contradicts with our lifestyle or the truth contradicts with our beliefs, or the truth contradicts with our desires, and then we back away from the truth. What is our response to God's guidance? Do we hear His voice? Not that we're going to have His voice rattling around in our heads, or that the Lord will speak to us, as some people say. But the Lord does speak to us through His Word. And this is the voice of God. Do we hear that voice? Do we allow ourselves to be comforted by it? When we stray, do we allow Him to guide us safely back into the fold? God guides us. That ought to bring us comfort. But it will only bring us a sure comfort when we are following after His guidance. And thirdly, what we find is that the Lord protects us, which brings us security. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Sheep require a lot of protection. They're virtually unable to defend themselves by any means. We've talked some about that. And what that means is that they find themselves susceptible to injury and even death without the constant care of the shepherd. Sheep need protection from even the smallest of predators. A sheep's skin is subject to irritation from bugs and viruses and all types of pests which can cause the sheep to become sick and restless. And so a good shepherd would make it a practice to anoint the sheep's skin with oil, especially in the areas which are most vulnerable, such as the eyes, the ears, the nose. Sometimes in life, 
Our biggest problems come from things which might seem harmless. In the Song of Solomon, there is a reference to this. We won't deal with the text in its entirety, but the writer there speaks about the little foxes. And you know, sometimes that's how it is in life. It may not be these big predators that come, but it may be these little things, and they add up over time. And it distracts us and it disturbs us and it can lead us away from what we ought to be doing. But of course, the closer we remain to the shepherd, the better able he is to protect us from the things which we may not be able to see, those little things which can cause a great deal of damage. Sheep also, at times, need protection from large predators. And so within this text, we find how God takes care of the little things. And we also find how God takes care of the big things. A good shepherd is willing to fight for the flock if needed. I think we sometimes miss this because that's not what we have in our head as we think about a shepherd and the sheep. Back in, I guess it was the late 80s, maybe 90s, I may have my timeline a little off there was a line of home interior products. In fact, that was the name of the company. It was called Home Interiors. And a lot of these pictures and statues, uh, you would find ladies selling them, and a lot of them were based upon biblical themes or texts. And there were several of these which depicted sheep and shepherds. In fact, my mother still has some of these in her home, and you may have one of these in your home with the Lord as my shepherd. And in every one of those, the sheep is just lying there in the pasture. And that is what this text depicts. But that's not the only biblical image we get of a shepherd and sheep. We typically picture a shepherd as living a very serene life. We think this would be a pretty cush job. You just sit out in the field all day. Pick daisies and play the harp like David. But in 1 Samuel chapter 17, do you remember when David says, I'll fight Goliath, and they say, oh, you have no experience. And he says, well, actually, I do have a little bit of experience. I've been a shepherd. And I fought a lion, and I wrestled a bear to protect the sheep. Home Interior never sold that picture. I'm not sure they'd have very many people that want that hanging in their living room. It's interesting in the book of Acts as Paul writes to the Ephesian shepherds or elders, he explains to them how they would have to fight against spiritual wolves. He talks about the wolves that would come from the outside and then he talks about the wolves that would come up or rise up from among you, Acts chapter 20 
Verses 29 and 30, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. And so you've got the shepherd fighting against lions and bears and now wolves. We don't have that image in our head, and yet sometimes that's what the shepherd has to do. Turn your Bibles, please, to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Who is the great enemy? Of course, the answer to that is Satan. And how is he pictured? In 1 Peter chapter 5, you know this passage. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so there's no predator to which we are more vulnerable than Satan. Satan is depicted as a lion going after the sheep. But we can know that our shepherd fights for us. The image of the rod and the staff, sometimes we lose the meaning of that because, again, we're not all that familiar with shepherding. But we need both the rod and the staff. The rod helps to ward off those wild animals. The staff is used to discipline and to prod the sheep. That's an image that a lot of people are uncomfortable with in our day because we don't like, as a society, we don't like discipline. If you don't believe that, go up here to the public school and I'll guarantee you, you're going to find kids and their mamas who don't like discipline. Which is a big piece of what's wrong in our world. That's a side point. You get that one for free. And yet, when we find the idea of discipline in Scripture, it is coupled with protection. When we find the Lord disciplining or chastening, it is for the benefit of the one being disciplined, for the benefit of the one being chastened. Hebrews 12 and verse 6, For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. And so we should be comforted by both, knowing that God is protecting us from those wild animals. God is protecting us from Satan. God is protecting us from those evil influences. God is making the way of escape so that we will be able to bear it. And yet at the same time, sometimes God's prodding us. Sometimes God's given us the hook because that's what we need. And so, in the midst of trials, God promises a brighter 
future, even as we face physical death, the Lord comforts us with the hope of eternal life. God is faithful and tireless in the pursuit of His people. Again, in Ezekiel chapter 34, He says, You have messed this up! But that's not how I am as a shepherd. Ezekiel 34 and verse 11, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. When you go to the New Testament, that's what you find. When Jesus is talking in response to the Pharisees who were self-righteous and looked at him with disdain because he ate with tax collectors and sinners and tried to work with them. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells what some consider to be three parables, what some consider to be one large parable just told in three sets. And within that text, you find find a shepherd. And Jesus says in Luke 15 and 4, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I found the sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. And there we find that image of the shepherd never giving up on the sheep. You know, there's perhaps one image that's used in Scripture which depicts a closer relationship than that of a shepherd and his sheep. And that is the image of God as the Father. You see that in Luke chapter 15. As he welcomes that prodigal son home. But you also see that image in Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Whether we realize it or not, David switches illustrations because sheep are not dwelling in the house. Sons dwell in the house. And so just as Jesus so masterfully pivots from the sheep to the son, so David too gives us both of these images to illustrate to us the relationship that David had with God. 
and the relationship that we can have with God if we will allow Him to nurture us and to guide us and to protect us. The blessings that come with that, of course, are peace and comfort and security. But we must recognize that those things are only found when we submit ourselves to the leadership and the guidance of the Lord as the shepherd. We are not going to find such peace and security and comfort outside the fold, outside the sheep fold. And yet that's what a lot of people want. They want to have this peace. They want to have this security. They want to have this comfort and hope. But they don't want to follow God to do it. And it doesn't work that way. And so as you look at your life, if you do not find peace and comfort and security, you've got to ask yourself the question. I've got to ask myself the question, where am I wrong? Because the Lord offers it. Am I letting the Lord be the shepherd? Or am I trying to lead? Have I wandered off? Am I lost? Those are things we need to consider. We would encourage you to do that. Think about those things. If we can help you spiritually, won't you come? Why don't you go to be standing? Always sing the songs been selected.